Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Tiffany Manor, and joining me on Friends for Life today is Christy Hofferber. Welcome, Christy. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I am Christy Hofferber. And uh, my background is I was conceived in rape and incest. I do um, pro-life speaking, and I am also over a pregnancy resource center in Illinois and wear many hats. (laughs) Well, we've not known each other very well for very long, but I've always enjoyed the time we've spent together. It was, you know, really about the time that, that the pandemic started, like, 2020. I don't know if you even remember this. You and I first met and we chatted on the phone a couple of times and I thought, oh, I, I would really like to get to know Christy better. And I always think uh, whenever I see you at things, um, oh, Christy seems like someone I could really be friends with. And But I'm, I'm thankful that, that you're doing so much really great work in the pro-life community and the pro-life movement. I, um, I know you've served at a lot of uh, organizations that have a human care emphasis and been on boards and things like that. Um, but this work that you're doing in a pregnancy center, really important. And I'm also really thankful that you help um, those of us who are in the pro-life community think about when we're asked about exceptions to abortion, You know how we can answer that question and how we can witness to God's um, creation of all life, um, his value for every person that he's ever created. And I think it would be really helpful to other people to you know, hear you describe that. So, Christy, it's so hard when people bring up these these situations. They might be loving, well-meaning people in all other ways, but then they say, "But shouldn't abortion be allowed if there's rape or incest? Wouldn't you know? Isn't that a loving thing to do to let someone who's been traumatized have an abortion? What, how do we answer that question?" It's a very difficult situation and a difficult question to answer. One of the most important things is to remember that each one of us are created in the image of God. So it doesn't matter our conception. Another important thing to note is that each one of us, again, no matter how we're conceived, has just as much value as the next person, right? So God doesn't make exceptions. Each one of us has just as much value as the next person, and we don't want to misplace that compassion. So in a case of rape and incest, you have not just one victim, but two. So both the mom and the child. And so you have to look at both of those. And again, like you mentioned, from the perspective of compassion, it goes to both. We can't just look at one over the other. I think about compassion. I'm always reminded of Christ having compassion on the people that he met and how he's not just an example of that that we follow, but that he himself is compassion. And so as we're in Christ, he can grow that in us and, um, you know, to see each, each person, whether they're born yet or whether they're right in front of us being confused and and questioning, there's, that's someone for whom Christ died. He had compassion on them. Absolutely. And he doesn't make mistakes. And I think that's important, too. I don't approve of the way I was conceived by any means. That was an evil thing that happened. But I'm grateful to be here. 
And I know that God can take, you know, what the devil intends for evil and can turn it around and use it to his glory. And so that's what I've seen happening throughout my life, really, um, in many situations, but especially in this one, because again, going back to what I do, wearing many hats, I do pro-life speaking. A part of that is sharing my story. And that is that I'm not just one child conceived in rape and incest, but I am one of six siblings. And I'm the only surviving sibling of those six. So I have a voice not just for myself, but for them as well, because they don't have a voice. I'm the only one that does. So I, I just feel very led and compelled to speak up and share my life has value, their life had value. Each and every one of us is created equally in God's eyes. And so you are a, a voice for your um, biological siblings who who died. You're a voice for other children who were conceived in rape and incest and, and died from abortion. And even those who aren't quite confident and brave enough to, to speak publicly like you do. I give thanks to God for, for you. You're serving your neighbor in, in this way. It can't be an easy thing to do. You're, you're brave. God's given you boldness. <laughs> yes, that is certainly a God-given thing because I, growing up, was never vocal, never spoke up, was always very shy. And it wasn't until I learned my background and really understood the importance of speaking up. It's not just important for my siblings and myself, but it's important for others to know if they're in a similar situation or if they know someone in a similar situation, to give them hope and to offer them support and just be that presence. You know, it was not until I met someone else who was in a similar situation that I realized I need to speak up too. I have a voice and and it's a God-given voice. <laughs> and I imagine pretty comforting to realize that you aren't the only one who is, is um, living with this reality of knowing what happened in your, your biological family. And then with you know, sharing publicly, having, having a voice to, to share and, and sharing your experience and giving wisdom to, to others like, like me and people you speak to really all around the country to help other people not feel alone as well. Absolutely. Um, it's great to know that you have support. And so many people hide behind, well, I don't know anyone else, or I'm going through this alone. And it's it's so important to let them know you're not alone. You know, there is support. There are people out there that you can turn to. In fact, one of the things that I do now as a, a CEO of a pregnancy help center, I think it's very important that the women who are coming in know that no matter what they're facing, if they're in a similar situation, maybe they're facing something they can't deal with on their own and they have no support. It's important for them to know that they can turn to us and we can be there to support them in whatever they're going through. And um, I've had one instance in, in my pro-life career, I've had one instance of someone who I don't know, but I was doing sidewalk counseling and that person mentioned to me what had happened to them. And having that ability to share, you know, you're, you're here for a reason. 
your child is here for a reason. And just that ability to relate to that mom brought her comfort and just gave me chills, Mm -hmm. honestly, because, you know, God is doing wonderful things. And without a voice, I would never have been able to help that mom. Yeah, and your willingness to have a presence too, to, to speak up, but also to walk alongside women in very difficult circumstances. Our, our pregnancy resource centers across the country, well, I mean, there's there's so many of them. There's far more than there are abortion clinics, and um, more and more abortion clinics are closing weekly right now, which is, is wonderful. But I, I want to say it's something like, you know, the four to one ratio, four mm-hmm. times, maybe even more than that now, pregnancy resource centers than there are abortion clinics. And the volunteers and the staff there, I, I used to work at a pregnancy resource center. Walking alongside women, it's not, it's not just for a moment to convince them to change their mind or you know, to at least show them they have options, but months or years. I mean, there, there were women that I worked with for a very long time in our pregnancy resource center. And that that presence to walk alongside them as they move through some really challenging, difficult things. I mean, I often say there is no woman who is considering an abortion or has an abortion who doesn't go through a a mental health challenge, the the Mm -hmm. trauma. um, There's no one who, you know, is eager to have an abortion, no matter what they may say on social media afterwards. It's it's, it's a bit of a telling oneself a, a lie in order to make what, happened that they can live with with what happened um through the abortion these these women who are are saying shout your abortion but really there's there's no one who goes into an abortion clinic really happy to be there and that there would be community others who come around these women offer them their options choices they don't have to choose an abortion on the sidewalks in the pregnancy resource centers walking with them for a very very long time and yeah that presence that loving voice with them. So thank you for all you've done for that. And, you know, kind of an encouragement to people who might be listening, you know, to consider volunteering at pregnancy resource centers like like you have or, or being out in a prayerful presence outside of abortion clinics. Absolutely. It's certainly offers hope. And I think that's that's what's needed. It's a coping mechanism for, you know, what you were describing no woman wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go have an abortion. It's just, it's, you know, the way that they process and the way that they understand that um, and their reaction to that. It's, it can be a coping mechanism for what they've been through. So mm-hmm. uh, we meet women where they are. We walk with them side by side, walk them through whatever situation it is. And you often hear, well, you just want to ensure that the baby survives and then you're done. That is absolutely not the case. Nope. We will continue to walk as long as it takes. We don't put time limits on it. You know, if you need to come back and talk to us three years, four years, five years down the road, please pick up the phone. We're here. We want to offer you that support and we want you to feel supported. And I think that's important, um, and certainly more volunteers. We we absolutely need the volunteers to be a part of it, and they make up a lot of our pregnancy help centers. You know, a lot of the services are done by volunteers, and so that's crucial to have them involved, and and that also allows them to see how big of a difference 
they can make because it, they're offering hope. That's a big thing. Yeah, so you, know, you use your voice to help people have understanding and awareness, but you know the volunteers in the pro-life movement, they have an opportunity to use their voice and to bring hope to people in difficult circumstances, you know, to witness to others they come into contact with, to have those challenging conversations. You know, Sometimes it's around the family table at a holiday or something like that. I, I'm remembering, uh, boy, the, the weeks following the Dobbs v. Jackson decision where the you know, media was just full of accounts of, about why abortion should be legal and uh, you know, social media is exploding and people are, are realizing that friends and family members that they had no idea they were you know, really pro-abortion, pro-choice, um, having conversations or, or, or wondering what to say to them, what not to say. You know, really anyone can offer that hope verbally at any time and, and offer explanation. I have been pretty honest about sharing that I, I was pro-choice as a, a young adult, and it took a lot of people around me to point to the hope found in Christ and the value that he gives to every life with his incarnation is death on the cross you know he didn't come to just save some people but but all people of course not everyone is willing to hear their hardened hearts um so we we keep witnessing we keep sharing but you know we can all do that and i'm thankful too for the ways you know that you equip us to to do that when these questions of exceptions come up i I know you know, I was referring to the media, but there there have been you know stories, and I'm sure there will be again about you know what about the ten year old who was abused and is now pregnant, and you know shouldn't shouldn't she have an abortion because isn't you know that just a terrible thing to to let a you know, young child give birth? And I, I remember having these conversations, and, and I'm trying to explain to people well, that that is it's sin, it's a horrible, awful sin that this child was abused, and she's traumatized. Adding trauma of abortion onto the trauma of rape is not the answer. It's not going to heal her. It's not going to fix her. Correct. That's the thing is it's not going to take away what happened. It's going to magnify the trauma and add to the trauma. So that's important to look at in those cases. And I know those cases are so difficult because you you have a 10-year-old child who should never experience anything like this. Mm-mm. Never. And you want to have compassion for her. Mm-hmm. But the key is the compassion has to also extend to the unborn child who's innocent, who didn't ask for this to happen, but their life was created. And that, that leads to you know a very important point is that each and every life is created in the image of God. And so supporting her and helping, showing hope, supporting, that's critical in those cases as well. I mean, she needs support, not additional trauma. Yeah. You know, as we were talking about walking with people you were describing years later, I mean, that that's what's needed is to, to walk with, whether it's a child or a fully grown um, adult, uh, you know, a woman who's who's been raped or forced into actions that she did not wish, you know, whether it was incest or, or not. You know, this this trauma lasts for the years that she has left on earth. And so we continue to walk with them and, and not, you know, heap and pile a trauma on instead. But instead, whenever we can, share the gospel, share God's promises, God's love. Right. And that's what we're called to do. You know, we're, we're called to uh, meet her where she is and to share God's love. 
because his love has no boundaries. And he can love her exactly where she's at and love her unborn child, no matter how that child was conceived. And so that's something that more and more pregnancy help centers are doing. They're incorporating, you know, the gospel and and working with women to help them understand God's love for them. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to be in the position I'm in and to be a part of that. It's it's humbling because it's come full circle. So it's just very humbling. You're a blessing to so many. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, God. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's give him all the glory. Yeah. And he equipped you, empowered you, working through you. I mean, we talk about that in, in vocation. You know, as Lutherans, we have such a clear understanding of, of how um, God doing all of these things, you know, masked behind us, and we may do it quite imperfectly because we're humans, we're, we're sinful, but, but God um, is extending his love mm-hmm. through you to others. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd love for our listeners to be sure and know um, any uh, wisdom, advice that, that you have for them? I do, actually. So I have an article that I want to share and just give some information from that article and then tell you where to find it as well. So it's uh, from the Center of Human Dignity at Family Research Council, and you can find it on their website. It's frc.org. That's a really easy one to find. It's just, you know, the acronym, right? FRC.org. Yes. Super easy. (laughs) The title of the article is Difficult Conversations, Rape and Incest. It's a great article if someone is struggling to understand what to say, if they know someone or if they're approached or if, if they're even in discussion with someone about these cases and making an exception. And so it's a great article that shares several points about um, how to have those conversations and have them in a godly way, in a loving way, with compassion and understanding. So it goes through eight points on how to do that. Yeah, if you uh, could share those points, that would, I think, be really helpful to our listeners. Certainly. So how to have a productive conversation about abortion in cases of rape and incest. They list eight points on how to do that. The first one is begin by unequivocally condemning the act of rape as a heinous assault on human dignity. As we know, that's something very awful, and, and to acknowledge that, that, that this person has gone through that, and that that's just a, a heinous assault on that person. Affirm that all responsibility for the rape solely is on the rapist and not the victim. So a lot of times a victim will carry that weight. Well, it was my fault. I did this. or I. That's not at all. It's, it's not the victim's fault. Never, never the victim's fault. Right. When discussing cases of incest, uh, equally asserting that this is a crime against human dignity and a complete violation of the safety and respect that that woman ought to have been able to have with a member of her family. So she should be respected in her family, not abused. And so just acknowledging that. And then pivot the conversation towards the unborn child conceived by rape or incest. And this is a difficult thing for some people to do um, because of the exceptions. You know, you wanna have compassion for the mom, but then extend that compassion to the child as well. Highlight that this child is innocent 
and an innocent third party to the crime that occurred, and that aborting the child punishes the child for someone else's wrongdoing. It doesn't punish the perpetrator, it punishes the child. The next point goes on to say, if your conversation partner accuses you of lacking compassion for the mother and only caring about the well-being of the baby, respond with information about the additional trauma that the abortion inflicts on the woman, both mentally and physically. And this is something we just talked about as well. Mm -hmm. That's an additional trauma that's added. Tell your conversation partner that abortion does not heal the wounds inflicted by rape and incest. Rather, it adds further trauma for the mother to deal with. Your conversation partner might name any number of potential scenarios in which they think that the abortion is especially justifiable, being pregnant by rape. Respond that no matter the circumstance, it does not change the fact that the unborn child is also an innocent human being and does not deserve to die. Explain that forcing the trauma of abortion on a minor is not compassionate and could cause a lifetime of distress and guilt, which we also talked about. That's something that's carried throughout the remainder of their life. And then the the final two points. Uh, Point your conversation partner to the options and resources that are available to victims of rape and incest who choose life for their babies. So there's a lot of support. And we've talked about pregnancy resource centers, and that's something that absolutely there's support there. So there's many different resources that we offer through any array of topics or, or situations. And so just knowing where to go to get that support is important. And like you mentioned too, the, the pregnancy centers far outnumber the abortion facilities, far outnumber. So there's always support there. And then finally, explain that the abortion exceptions send the message to people conceived by rape and incest that their lives are less valuable than those who are not conceived in difficult circumstances and that they would have been better off aborted. Another um, aspect of that, that last statement, is the percentages of individuals who will hold exceptions but say they're pro-life. And that's a a difficult thing, especially me in my shoes that I'm in, conceived in rape and incest. That's a difficult thing to understand that the percentage is roughly 60% Mm -hmm. of individuals who say, I'm pro-life, but then they will say, except in the case of rape or incest. So I'm walking shoulder to shoulder with someone who I think is an ally, and I find that really they will hold an exception for my life. That is so hard, but I have my work cut out for me. I see that as a challenge. I see that as, okay, they don't know enough to understand my position and why I deserve to be here just as much as they do. And so that's where I feel very called is to educate because unless they know, how are they gonna ever understand and realize that every life has value. Their eyes need to be open. Mm -hmm. They still have some formation that God does through his Holy Spirit for them to to understand that every life has value. That God created you, Christy, for a reason, and every child Mm -hmm. because he wanted them to live the days that he's numbered for them and not that someone else is going to, to cut short. Right. Right. Yeah. 
It's a challenge. It really is. But again, having a voice and a God-given voice to speak up about the exceptions. If I can help one person look at it differently and understand, you know, well, she does deserve her life, you know, or, or that child in the womb who is conceived in rape, they're innocent. They don't deserve to die. They don't deserve, you know, the death penalty, so to speak. They, they deserve life. They were given life. And that's a hard thing for people to understand sometimes. Thank you for helping them to understand. Thank you for helping us to understand. You know, I'm hearing you describe those eight points that um, the Family Research Council and the Center for Human Dignity put out. I mean, they're really good things to learn. And it's, it's a really, um, we have to practice just to become comfortable to, to um I'm thinking about, you know, we give a, a reason for the hope that we have in, in Christ. We we prepare ourselves to answer those hard spiritual questions. Well, we, we also prepare ourselves in advance for these conversations. And even uh, you mentioned about uh, knowing the resources that are available. We have to learn about what's available locally. Uh, where are the pregnancy resource centers? What options are there for um, victims of rape or incest? Where can they receive the um, psychological help that they need? And and who can we refer them to for the, the spiritual questions that they're going to have? Are, are there pastors who are comfortable taking on these hard challenges, which I think any Lutheran pastor really is. I'm not so sure about um, others, but I, I, you know, every Lutheran pastor that I, I've known has really been able to share God's grace and, and um, the, the gospel promises, gospel truth of, of Christ who died for everyone with people who are in difficult situations. But to do the research ahead of time and find out what's in our local community and where you can point people to and to, you know, listen to you, uh, seek out, uh, these types of, of really helpful, um, instructional materials on, on how to, um, defend life in a loving, compassionate way with the people around us as we're, as you said, walking side by side with them. Um, I don't have a story to share like yours, but I can tell people about my my friend, my friend who's for life, Christy, and how her her life has value, and how thankful we are that um, your mother was able to give life to you, your biological mother, mm-hmm. and then your mother raised you, adopted you, and raised you, um, nourishing your life all of these years, and and now you doing the same with within your own family. So we are prepared in advance. We can we can know now better how to answer those questions, and, and I really appreciate your taking the time. Mm-hmm today to you know, whoever might be listening to this podcast episode. And you know, for our listeners, too, I'm, I'm thankful for you tuning in and, and learning from Christy. You know, if you liked what you heard on this episode, please leave us a review. And don't forget to click the follower subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. And you can find us in the meantime on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. We certainly want to hear from you listeners. If you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear or a topic you want talked about, email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. Thank you.